Hello. 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 How are you? Well, Merry Christmas. Hello. Happy Merry holidays. Merry... Yes, yes, and to you and and yours. And and uh in merry merry yuletide <laughs> i don't even know what that means um i, I will look I mean, that it means the it means the tide of yule the tide of yule the tide of yule um so it, it, it would you like to hear about in today's uh version uh of uh it just works oh yes please yeah so um so i got a i, I, I got this new conference room that that we have in our new building that has fancy, fancy things in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a, it's got a fancy, fancy big display that uh, you can see people on. And it's got a fancy um, little, little unit that Logitech makes uh, okay. for, for zooming for, okay. so, so you might, you know, you know, you might be in a, in a room with some people and then you might be, other people might not be in that room. <laughs> and, and. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and so so we I, I've invested in some technology to to make that work better because you know when you're all crowded around a laptop, it's not fantastic, right? Oh yeah, um, if it's not the yeah you want a you want a full screen uh, viewing experience. I, I, I want a full screen and I want a good microphone and I want a good good um, video video. I want a good good camera. So yes, so all these things I have. Okay, so I have. Let's go through my checklist. I have a very large screen. Check. Okay. I have a I have a camera microphone combo for that's opt, optimized for Zoom. Um, okay. I've seen I've seen it work in other places. Like like I was in a meeting and I said I want I want that. Okay. Um, here's the here's the trick. Uh, mm. the the connection from my it just works machine multiple it just works machines. I'm I'm talking a a, a MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. and and a MacBook uh, uh, Air. The not the adorable, but the but the new the new Air. Mm-hmm. Um, can't get it to work, Don. Um, doesn't doesn't like to see in one of them. Uh, it's two different problems. So <laughs> so with the MacBook Pro, it doesn't recognize anything. It says mm-hmm. no no input source mm-hmm. on the MacBook Air. It recognizes the screen, but then it won't recognize the camera or the microphone. So, hmm. so, so it doesn't, it, I just, I'm going to, I'll be very on the nose. It doesn't just work here. It's not just working. Okay. So I, okay. But so, I don't, but I don't, but since this is, this is not Apple hardware, I mean, hmm. well, I can complain a lot about Apple hardware talking <laughs> to Apple hardware. Believe me. Yes. I, yes. I had, uh, I, well, just, you know, again, this welcome to, uh, we, we love Apple except when we hate it, Apple. Um, I, um, uh, went to put my, uh, big boys on my head. Um, yeah. and, uh, it was, uh, often, uh, the big boys, uh, do not connect. Um, and also they were showing 7% battery. Um, oh. which is interesting because they've been plugged in all night. So I seem to a couple times a day have to reset my big boys, my um, Mac, uh, iPod, uh, the big ones. What are they called? <laughs> yeah, the big big boys. Big boys. I, uh, yeah. Air, Air, Air Pods Max. Max. Maxim. Ma- maxim up. Yeah. Maximums. Um, so, yeah. So I, and I could never remember what they were called, which is why I've renamed them, uh, big boys. Um, so, yeah. uh, you know, my, my big boys, um, they don't, they, they just work now. 
<laughs> after I restarted them. Uh, at least I know how to restart them now because I have to do it. I've, did I mention I have to do it multiple times a day? You mentioned um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's okay. I mean, it works. Uh, oh, I did. And I did get myself. It's the holiday time, Ben. Um, and we're not doing gifts this year for at my, with my family, which is good no. um, because that's a, just a pain. I'm, But I am buying myself lots of treats. Um, one of my treats is uh, I got some new little guys um, that have the USB-C. Um, oh, uh, because I'm, I'm trying to get all in on USB-C. Of course, my big boys still have the Lightning. Um, but anyway, I, and I, they have not released a USB-C version of the big boys. The I big boys. Think. No, no, they don't. I would have so, one. But it's I'm coming. I mean, it's coming. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, but but so what I was going to say was, so I, I, I derailed your, your rant about it just works with non-Apple things to rant about Apple things not working. Not working. Um. I, but yeah. I, yeah, I think I, there's a lot. I think I think there's still there's still some bug. Bluetooth is still a little buggy, I think. Um, oh. it, but uh, oh, yo, but so uh, what my rec my recommendation to you, which I which is a piece of hardware that I that is not made by Apple that I really do like that really for the most part seems to just work is um, I really love um, the our owl. Um, it is, if you're doing video conferencing in a room and you have, you want to hear the people who are remote and you want the remote people to hear the people in the room, um, get an owl. They're really good. Yeah. We've got owls this. Mm -hmm. So what I've seen this in action and it's better than an owl. It is really, it's, yes. I mean, so, I mean, obviously today it's not, um, mm. <laughs> but it is, yeah. It sounds better. It looks better. Like hmm. it, it, yeah. And owls it are just great. doesn't I, work. Yes, that 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 is currently you've you've characterized it correctly. It it just if it worked, it's awesome. And huh. uh, okay. so so I got so here's here this, why I'm telling you this is well, that can you, I, so I will we will we will link to uh, the Owl Labs web page uh because people want to know what we're talking about if could you just send me the link of the thing that you have that that, that we're not recommending that doesn't work <laughs> yeah yeah i will and and i i want it to work um mm. yeah so let me see if i can if i can find it here okay. and but, it's, but are, it's you, a, are you you're not trying to use that now no no but i'm trying to me, use it for right 11 yeah at 11 30 oh. tonight oh okay Got is it. what i need to when I when or not tonight, eleven thirty this afternoon, the, this morning, mm -hmm. this morning mm -hmm. is when I need to to have it ready to go, right? Um, and so so here's here's how this may impact you. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I have, you, may, I, we, you may need to stop doing this show. Yeah, I put in a. I, I put not a, permanently. A, no, 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 <laughs> just, no, no, just just temporarily. Just a brief interlude. Yeah, a brief interlude. So I, I put out the bat signal to yep. to the phenomenal. Um, and I'll, I'll drop his name right here. His name is Anthony Buckner. He handles all things multimedia technology in our college. And Anthony, Anthony's, he's the best. So, so he, he will be troubleshooting with, uh, with one of my, one of my machines here. Um, so, so anyway, what's, that's, what's, what's, what's Anthony's last name? Buckner, Buckner, Buckner. Yeah. And I will find. So you. maybe you put out the buck signal because uh, first when you said you put out the bat signal, I was I, like, "Oh, did you call Michael Bats?" I'm like, <laughs> I put out. My, I called Michael Bats. Yeah. Uh, no, Anthony Buckley from NC State. Uh, the the buck signal. The, the buck. The buckster. We call him. The buck. The buck stops here. 
we should yeah. we should we should we should come up with a fun nickname for him because he would really appreciate that he would absolutely not he's uh he's a no-nonsense <laughs> kind of guy <laughs> okay. I, this okay. might it might upset him. Somehow this might get back to him that I'm even talking to him right now. <laughs> We're talking about him right now. And so yeah, so anyway, oh, should we I'm not about, link to Anthony Buckley in the show notes? No, no, we're going to let's let's link, link to him. I think it's great. I think okay. it's great. So, um anyway, I can't find the exact thing that we have. Uh let me see if I will I I'll, I'll find it before the end of the show. Uh for for what we're what we're using here. Uh it's a, it is a Logitech product. Um zoom under screen. It and it's awesome. Like like I said it mm-hmm. when it when I have, I think this is it. I think it's, well, I don't know. That seems like it might not be. Um, It's just so good. It's a, it's a meeting room one. It's for, it's for meeting rooms. Um, mm. Okay. So, so anyway, that's, that, that was what I, I, um, I, I had trouble with it uh, a month ago. It was, it, it was apparently updated and fixed. And then now I'm still having trouble with it. So I'm going to have to, I may have to pause is what I'm saying. That, yes, that's I understand. All I understand. Yes, yes. Um, okay. So well, I, I I don't want to link to the wrong Anthony Buckley. Um, so we're gonna you're gonna have to help me with that if yeah. you want to link to him because I'm pretty sure it's he's not the third year student majoring in quantitative energy no. systems. No, it's even better because I didn't even. It, I, it's not Anthony Buckley. It is Anthony Buckner. Oh well, and, there we go. Well, that's yeah. that explains why I can't find him. He's a not he's Buckler, a technology Buckner. support. Yeah, technology support specialist, superb. So uh, you now have the, um, you know, you now have the link in, uh, oh, uh, in Zoom. Cal's information technology. I've, I I yeah. see him right here. He's the best. Right here, he's, he's got his best. picture behind a a, a giant uh, mirrored egg. A, the bean there. The Chicago. The, bean. the, Chica- the Chicago bean. bean. Yeah, uh, I, I believe that's what it's called. I, I have you seen right. the Chicago bean? Right. I have. I have seen the Chicago bean. The, oh, it is not. It's not even the official. It's it's actually called CloudGate. No, nah, it's we can call. It, we can't agree I'm, to call it the Bean. I'm calling it the Bean from here on out. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. up until now and and going forward. Uh, so uh, I wanted to. So a couple couple things I uh, wanted to talk to you about before we get into food safety things. Sure. Um, I am. Uh, have you you know of our uh, of our theme song right? That we have on this pod, this podcast. <laughs> you don't hear it as much as I do. The one, I, the one, the one written by Neil Young and used yeah. uh, with his expressed written permission. With his express written permission. So there's a new, there's some new Neil Young, um, oh. and it's not, it's not new, oh. but it's it's called Before and After, and it's he doesn't oh. do this song, but you you should check this out on the mm. on whatever your your streaming um, platform is. It is it's called Before and After. Uh, is the name of the album. Uh, and it's acoustic new and old songs, including some great ones like birds um, mm. on the way home on the ocean, which, which he, he did on an album. It's called, I, th- um, I think it's called mirror ball. It's one of my favorite Neil Young albums because mm. mm-hmm. he, he, we worked with the, uh, with the good, the good folks from Pearl jam um, on that one. Uh, Mr. Mm. Soul comes a time. There's a lot of good, good ones on this, mm. but I like it. But Neil, Neil, I want you to listen to it and I want you to report back because, okay. and I'm going to put a bias in your ear, a bias bug mm-hmm. in your ear. Mm-hmm. Neil, Neil's sounding old. He's sounding. Mm. And, and I actually, 
there's something heartening about it because mm. his voice has changed a little bit. Um, but I really, I, I don't know. Like Neil is old. So, I was going to say, I don't know if you know this. He is actually old. Yeah. And, and, um, he, uh, he's 78 years old. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and he sounds, he sounds like he's, he's aging. And I, I think he leans into this and I really enjoyed this album. Like it's a mm-hmm. different, it's mm-hmm. a different Neil Young vibe. It's not Neil yeah. trying to be young. It's Neil embracing yeah. his aging. And, and I, anyway, so that, that came up. And then, um, do you know that, uh, that Willie Nelson is also kind of old? Uh, yes. <laughs> so he has a birthday thing coming up. There's a birthday uh-huh. celebration that, uh, that I'm, I'm I want to watch. And so I, I'm just, I, I came, it came across my, um, my, my internet, um, today. Uh, and, uh, so I'm going to send you a link to how to, how to watch this thing. But, uh, um, I, th- this is my, I, I'm in, I'm in homework time of year right now because graduation has happened. There's not a whole lot going on in the world of, uh, uh, department head chair talk other than my mm-hmm. zoom box is not, my 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 zoom box is is not working that's not my zumba but my zoom mm-hmm. box that i was talking about so um he had a um the, there was a thing that was on the internet last night that i did not watch but i'm going to watch it um uh and it's uh, two hours of uh people paying tribute to uh to neil young including snoop dogg which i think is hilarious wait so, uh, neil young or willie nelson Sorry, Willie Nelson, the other Neil. Willie Nelson. Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> My, Got it. Okay. Yeah. I was a little confused there for a minute, but I, I yeah. figured you meant Willie Nelson. Yes. I did. I did. I meant <clears throat> I meant Willie Nelson. So uh, anyway, it it had aired last night on the terrestrial t- TV on CBS, uh, uh-huh. but I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. So so you should. I I think you should watch it too. Okay. <laughs> you give me a lot of homework today. Yeah. So listen to Neil Young. Uh, before and after, and then uh, Will, Willie Nelson's uh, 90th birthday celebration. But you got it. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Willie Nelson is not a problem, and the Neil Young is not a problem either. Although I do want to say, um, you mentioned something called a, I think you call it a streaming service. Um, <laughs> I, how I get my music is I buy it like a gentleman. Oh. Um, so I may need to buy Mr. Young's album um, to listen to it. I think you should do that. I don't is he is Neil Young. I don't begrudge him the money at <laughs> all. Does he have a do, an honorary doctorate? I wonder. Is it Dr. Young? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I just want to look like a fan um when his lawyers come looking for us. Yeah. Oh, he uh in 1990, <laughs> um he he received uh where where is it? Um Neil. Oh, that's James McNeil. 1992, he received a doctor of music at wow. Lakehead University. I didn't know this. I'm just so so. I think you. I think you're. I, I believe you're. You're. Um. You're. You're speaking of uh, the doctor, Dr. Young. Doctor. Dr. Young. Uh, from Lakehead, uh, his honorary past honorary degree. Uh, 1992. Old, old, old Doctor Young. Yes. Old Doctor. Old Doctor Young. Uh, <laughs> also, doctor of music. Um, notable from uh, Lakehead uh, University in Canada, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Oh um, yes, in nineteen uh, two thousand and fifteen, um, it, it, Lakehead University is not a place I've I've been to. It is um, <laughs> it's very far north. Okay, um, yeah, it is. I think yeah, it's in Thunder Bay. 
which which is at the um it, it's at the the you know at the at the head of uh, of lake of, uh, of of the lake of of Lake Superior. That's why they call it Lakehead University. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so um okay so that was my those are my two my two homework items um um what else i was going to tell you one other thing and then we, we're getting into uh the festive spirit today just so you know you i have oh i'm wearing um i'm wearing a, a hat with a bell on it um dressed in <laughs> red a, are you a jester uh, are you <laughs> <laughs> he might be I yeah. have little pointy shoes. Oh, um, see, yeah. yeah, you were very, very much. Are you? Yeah, I am. So, a, you're right. I th- at first I thought it was an elf, but it turns out I'm a jester. Okay, you're the jester. You're the yeah. So uh, one thing that that came up uh, in our, um, I think in a in a previous um, episode, either of this show or another show. I know I was talking to you about this, but there there are some festive movies that that we that we watch, right? And one mm-hmm. is is problematic and canceled, which is Love Actually, but I but I do mm-hmm. still watch it every year. Um, and we also we also watch Elf uh, and Die Hard and Christmas Vacation. Those are the four that are on my on my list. And three of those four we watch as a family. Love Actually is not one that that my kids have gotten into. Um, but do you, do you have others? I, I you know this is the this is the time of year that I like to talk about this with you. Any other yeah. festive movies um, you watch? No, just really, really just uh really just love actually, I would say. Um oh, let's see. Um sorry, I'm just trying to get these links up. So uh what what you said, uh, love actually die hard elf. elf elf is not one that we have watched, although uh I do understand why people would like that. Um and what my, was the my last kids one? my kids very much like that. Uh and then uh Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, actually not, that not one we watch. Either. Yeah. That is one that, that I, um, that comes from, from my childhood, uh, that, mm-hmm. that my, my parents, my grandparents were very much into Christmas vacation. So we would watch that, um, yeah, 1989. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater, uh, with my mom and, uh, mm, wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Wild. Right. Um, so um, so yeah, those the are the four only, that we watch. Yeah, the only only other thing we like to watch is uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, oh. which we I believe have already watched. Um, and that's short; it's only a ha- half an hour. So we have it on our our TiVo, uh, which doesn't connect to anything anymore, but it does still t- share stuff with us that we have recorded. So, uh, yeah, Charlie Brown Christmas is probably the only other real Christmas thing uh, we 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 watch. I would say on a regular basis. I really like and and. This is one that I noted I should add to my Christmas viewing, but I have not yet. And there's still time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll note that we still have a, about a week here. Um, but it's the Ted Lasso Christmas episode. Carol of the Bells is one of my I, I felt that this is one of my favorite episodes of Ted Lasso because it it kind of do you mm-hmm. remember this one? See, I think it was season two and it. Yeah. Season two, episode four. And it it is not. Like it, oh. it does well as a standalone episode, I think. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I did, I did enjoy it. Um. Yeah. And we'll link to the, the LA times article, Ted Lasso's Christmas episode wasn't part of the plan. Here's how they pulled it off oh. because yeah, they, they commissioned a certain number of episodes for the season. And then there's like, no, no, we want more. And they're like, well, we, we can't give you more. We plan for this. Um. But yeah, so they, they, they just figured it out how to do it. And it was, oh, yeah, I didn't it know that. Quite, 
Yeah, yeah. Which explains why it's a little bit weird and a one-off, right? Because yeah, yeah. The, they had to figure out how to how to pull this together. So, yeah, I I do remember watching. I don't remember any of the details, but I do remember watching it and enjoying it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm adding that to my list. I'm gonna try and rewatch that. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm I'm uh, not to offset myself uh, or anything, but I will be heading to Canada um, uh, in in a couple of days for the for the holidays. Um, I. I, I'm trying. So what one thing I've been saving up movies because I I might have mentioned this to you. Uh-huh. I, um, I'm basically only watching live sports right now. Like that, I huh. something has happened in my mind where um I have I have stopped consuming almost every other viewing experience. Like I the the only thing that I that I'm doing is that I'll watch some stuff before I go to bed that is not live sports. Um, and it's usually like Saturday night live or the John Oliver last week tonight show. Um, and it's not every night and it's, you know, it, it's just a like wind down stuff, but I have like some, something has happened Don, where I, I will, um, it's even happened in early mornings on the weekends where I'm like getting up and watching English premier league soccer, which is not, <laughs> you might have a problem. <laughs> I, I, I actually might because I, it is. I don't know what it is. Like I, Danny yeah. and I have talked about this. Um, she she will not rewatch anything. Like like she, like her her view in 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 life and in, in viewing things is there is too much new stuff to rewatch yep. old things. Yeah, yep. And and I'm watched it. I enjoyed it. Great. I'm moving on. I'm not about rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Um. And so so I I have I've really taken that to heart. I guess, and that I will. I'm only watching n- new live things in the moment around sports. So I'm I'm watching. I don't know what's going on. Like I'm watching more hockey than I've ever watched. I'm watching more basketball than I like. If if it is, I I don't know what's happening. Um. So so anyway, I have I I've like set a goal for myself to watch a number of movies. Usually, I think about movies in the um. Or episodic TV in the summer when there's no hockey on TV, um, but but I think this summer, like I was starting to get into this world of watch, like I was just watching baseball games after baseball games. I don't know what's happening. So anyway, I've got I've got about ten movies that that I will be bringing with me to Canada and hopefully watching um, these, uh, and I'm trying to catch up on on a bunch of episodes of, of of shows as well but but danny is like like i've not finished ted lasso for example mm. um mm. danny and the boys have like plowed through a bunch of stuff and they're they're not waiting for me like, like right. they're, they're like you're you're an idiot if you're gonna sit here and watch the vegas golden knights play the <laughs> ottawa senators on a tuesday <laughs> night at, at 9 30 at night yeah we're out like like yeah, you, out. you have yeah, we're you, we're gonna watch. You, you go else. do your thing. We're gonna watch yeah. something good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so anyway, I'm I'm trying to that that's my goal is to catch up on those things. But I well, the one, well I just yeah. I, but sorry what just before we completely leave. Well, so first of all, let me say um I don't have um that issue, so I am able to watch plenty of movies. And uh, last night uh, we watched a movie that was recommended. Um, not to me personally, but recommended generally by John Roderick. And I'm not sure on which of his shows he recommended it. Um, but it is a Netflix a movie on Netflix called uh, A Call to Spy, uh, which is about three women spies in World War II. And it Ooh. was very, very good. Um, really, uh, really okay. just a, a heck of a heck of a gut, gut punch of a movie. 
um, yeah, really, really cool and really enjoyed it. And, yeah. And, and John, the setup from, from John was that he was sort of pushed into watching this by all the women in his, um, pod there, all of his many women that surround him in his life. Um, uh, they're like, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. He's like, all right, okay, I'll watch it. And at the end of it, he was the only one still watching it. He got really sucked in and he thought it was really good. Um, and the rest of the women that wanted him to watch it were like not watching it anymore or something like that. So I well, I will, funny. I'm on it. I will, yeah. I will be, I've just added that to my, um, Good. yeah, to my list. And it, it comes up with a couple other ones that are on my, um, on my list. Like in, you know, this, this sounds like a movie that you might like kind of thing, right, right. which is operation mincemeat. Are you familiar with uh -huh. this one? I um, am. I am. Yeah. So, so I will be, I, that, that is on my list. Uh, other other things that are uh, just to to read off these are things I, I will be hopefully watching over the next uh, little while. The Crown. I need to finish that. Um, uh, the Outlaws. Don't know why I added that. Um, the Muscles and Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American gladiators. <laughs> Don't know why. These are all things that are on my list. <laughs> Uh, the Formula One show, Drive to Survive. Have you watched that? I mean, it, it, no, it, it, I'm not. Into, I don't know what. I'm not into yeah. cars and car racing. It's not my thing. See, I'm not either. But everyone's talking about it. Mm. Um, and I say everyone. I really probably everyone talked about it three years ago when it came out. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, what else do we have in here that would be? uh of interest uh scott pilgrim versus the world that's a the, have you not seen that no i haven't seen it like that's, i'm yeah it's quite good yeah people I would, like I would, that again i am a re-watcher of things more so than than Kristen. so i would i would watch that again anytime yeah it was it was a, it was a it was not not the kind of movie i would usually watch but definitely yeah it was like i know a lot of people that really liked it so and actually one thing i i really do and we i so we have a we have a standing call with family and and we talk about different stuff that we're watching and i get ideas from there as well and uh, i really need to um i really need to watch more uh i really want to watch more um miyazaki movies we've all i've only seen one my neighbor totoro and i want to see more uh but mm. the problem is getting everybody else in the house to to agree to watch them so yeah yeah huh. well anyway that's i've got the other thing that i want to watch just for um, and it's, I'm not, I don't have a whole lot of expectation that it's very good. Mm. Um, but, but for, um, uh, I guess like nostalgic reasons is the, there's a new Indiana Jones movie that, that, exists. Oh, we watched that. Yeah. It was fun. It, yeah. See, I want that. Yeah. I want to watch some fun movies. So, mm -hmm. so anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm, wor I'm working on right now is, is trying to catch up, but then there's other things like. And um, Apple TV Plus has got a whole bunch of things that I think I'd be really interested in, like John Lennon, a murder without a trial, which is witnesses, friends, and officials speak of the first time for the about the icon's death. This is on Apple TV Oof. Plus. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean it's heavy, but I'm I'm yeah. in I'm in on this. So um, anyway, that's uh, the, the 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 those are that's what what my next couple of weeks are going to be doing. Hopefully, is is watching some stuff. Um, but thank you for adding a call to spy on my on my list. Yeah. I will, yeah, I will yeah, take I, 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 I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. So, um. The uh, next thing, um, 
that I wanted to highlight is uh, let me sorry go uh, so I'm I have I have a list of things that I I brought up for for notes today because this is my show not yours. Um, you, you well I also put some stuff in the Dropbox just wow. so you know. I'll get there. I'll get I'll get there. Okay. Maybe All it's right. the same thing. Um, because I haven't. Well, I have it. some good things I want to talk about, but it is your show. <laughs> okay. Uh, is one of the things that you want to talk about? Oh, where am I? Did this come up in my? Come on, I saved it somewhere and it hasn't uh, translated yet. But let me go into uh, another spot. You know how I like to get. You, you want to recount how I like to get inspired for us? I like. To oh, go you to read Apple, Apple News. I like to go to Apple News, uh, and there's a food safety um, tab on Apple News. Um, so, so Don, um, I have a question for you. Uh, that, sure. That, that really comes from the the Huffington Post. Um, how risky is it to drink eggnog? That seems like it's a very seems a very like suspicious kind of question. Um, food safety experts share their concerns. Are you familiar with this? Uh, with, first of all, with this question, and then secondly, are you familiar with this article? I am very familiar with the question. Um, and I might be familiar with the article. Is that from this year? It's from this morning. Oh, this morning. Okay. Well, I haven't read it yet. Well, and and so let me just read a um, a quote here from this article. For Dr. Don Schaffner, a <laughs> Rutgers Distinguished Professor and Extension Specialist in Food Science, the worry is not so much about the eggs and more about the eggnog's milk and cream. The risks from raw dairy are more well-established, he said. That doesn't sound like me. It doesn't sound like you at all. Um, and so, uh, yeah, um, uh, it really. So anyway, I, I sent you the link to this. Um, there's Bill Marler is quoted in it. You're quoted in it. Um, uh, Dr. Mildred Cody, a registered dietitian, nutritionist and oh, food safety uh, instructor emerita at Georgia state university Georgia state. I know, I know yeah. her. Yeah. Don't count on the alcohol and eggnog to kill all of the bacteria. Cody said, that's likely not going to happen. The answer she says is pasteurization. So anyway, I didn't want to rehash this, um, but I thought it, it didn't sound, it sounded like you might have been interviewed about something else at some other time. And, uh, or, and yeah, I don't know if uh, your, your quote didn't seem like really on what you would talk about when it comes to, to eggnog. So I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, let me. I'm. I. I. Now that I do. Yeah. All right. So. Oh yeah. Uh. Stories up and live. Um. Let's see. Thank you for your responses. Um. Let's see. I. I do. I actually. I can. I can send you that because it was all done. Yeah. It was yeah. all done via email, so I can tell you exactly what the prompts were and exactly what I said. Um. Let's see. Uh. Well, let's see. Uh, eggs, pasteurized eggs, raw milk. Let's let me see here. Raw. What did I? Let me let me look for raw because now now I'm now I'm really intrigued. Um. Yeah, raw eggs and dairy. What risks do each pose? And right. I, I quoted the three out of ten thousand eggs, which we now know is probably not right. Um. Uh, and then I, I wrote the risks of raw dairy are more well established. Here is a web page from the CDC that summarizes some of the concerns. So I think I, I, I now I got to go back and cross reference. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, basically she, she, the, the prompt was raw eggs and dairy. What risks do each pose? So my answer makes sense in the context, in the context. of that, yeah. of that request, of that request for information, raw eggs versus raw dairy, right? Which yeah. is riskier. Yeah. Right. I mean, that which is riskier is I, that's just in my head. That's not in the, in the prompt, but that's why I said what I said. So it's, I wouldn't say taken out of context, but it was just like, well, I mean, anyway, if you, that's the question you're going to ask me, that's the answer I'm going to give you, but yeah. it's not something I'm going to volunteer in a conversation about eggnog. Right. It was because interesting. Who, right. Yeah. Who makes eggnog from raw milk. Nobody, yeah. as far as I know. Right. But, but, but the, re the reporter asked a question, I'm going to answer the question. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 And, it, but I thought it was really interesting. Like, like that was, and then, you know, there, there is like a, a later in the, in the article, um, you know, the three and 10,000 eggs, um, the means of risk from individual egg is low, but of course the more eggs you can buy the higher the risk, which is, which is you know, yeah, absolutely true. Um, and, uh, you know, they talk a little bit about pasteurizing raw eggs at home, um, prepackaged eggnog is much safer. Schaffner said pasteurization process is done by food manufacturing, um, and uh yeah but it was interesting then like uh, also bill bill marler's quoted in here and and you know his his quote uh about uh he says a punch bowl of eggnog has the same risk profile that a salad bar might have you're sharing the utensils and bowl with a lot of people you may not know the risks you run he isn't trying to be a downer. He's just concerned about your health and the health of your holiday party host and all the guests. You hope people are not infectious and using good hygiene. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was like a weird article. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, I think the, the reporter probably asked people a bunch of questions and then wove together a story out of it, which is not, whatever. I mean, it leads to some odd phrasing, but whatever. I mean, it, it, it will probably get some good information out to people, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, a of, uh, I don't think a uh, a punch bowl of eggnog is the same as a salad bar at all. Well, it's got the same risk profile, whatever that. No, I, I no, I don't think that's that true either. Yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. true either. Right. 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 I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Marler said that, but that's, that's what he said. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not the way I would say it, but yeah. Okay. So, all right. So yeah. festive eggnog, we, we've checked mm -hmm. our, checked our box there. Yep. Let, let me give you another, another great one. Um, okay. and, and I, I, I did an interview, um, with scientific American. It is not posted yet. Um, hmm. but so, but it was about fruitcake, uh, safety. Oh, nice. And nice. I, I did some work on this, not work. I mean, what, what kind of work am I going to do on fruitcake safety? Um, but this question seems to come up over and over again every year. And so yeah. I'm going to send, I'm going to rehash something from, a few years ago, but I found this, I found it fascinating. So I had a conversation uh, um, with the, with the journalist from, um, uh, from scientific American about this. And, you know, the, the question is like, well, how long is too long for fruit, for fruitcake? And it's kind of like, well, it, 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 I don't know, from a safety standpoint, it's probably not getting any, less safe over time it probably right. is just going to taste bad over time right and, and exactly and so that that to you and i that that's a really logical i don't know like easy to digest piece of information almost every time i've talked to someone about this they're like that can't be right like what about a hundred year old fruitcake and it's like well it's 
probably le- as safe Gross. as it was at 80 yeah. years and at yeah. Yeah. 30. And, and, you know, like, um, and, and so I, I just, I, I don't know what it, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to communicate that in a way that's more appealing, not maybe not appealing, more, more convincing, maybe that, that it's, it's not about, it's not about time anymore. Um, when it comes to this and, and then what, what was really interesting is it probably never show up in the article itself, but we had a conversation about like, had I seen, um, you know, Twinkies that, you know, the safety of Twinkies over time, because there, you know, there's been some stuff on the internet that they last forever or McDonald's French fries that are held at room temperature for, for years and the safety of them. It's like, yeah, it's similar, not the exact same situation. Water activity kind of plays in, in all of this, but also when it comes to Twinkies, the preservatives that are, that are used anti, you know, mold, fungal, antifungal, um, you know, and antimicrobial, uh, uh, preservatives, but it's like it's really interesting. Where one to me, this one issue about fruitcake, every time I talk about it, leads to those other issues, and yeah. and it and it's not like I just don't sound convincing enough with this. So I, you know, I will see what the what the article says, but I always find this one to be interesting. Yeah, well, the way the way that it makes the most sense to me, and the way that I try to explain it to people is like we're talking about the effect of temperature, right? temperature is going to cause whatever is going to happen to happen faster. And so if the bacteria are going to grow and you raise the temperature, you know, up to a certain point, they're going to grow faster. If the bacteria are going to die and you raise the temperature, they're going to die faster. And, you know, as, as you say, Ben, all of these dried and candied ingredients have what we call low water activity. What well, we, yeah, well, we in the business, what we in the business, we, yeah, in the call. business, we call low water activity. Uh, everything has water activity. Some things have low water activity, but, uh, uh, but yeah. And, and so it's, it's really, it's really about um, accelerating whatever is going to happen. And if you have low water activity conditions, you don't get microbial growth. And if you don't get microbial growth, that means that you get survival, which is another way of saying very slow, gradual death. And, and that, that just, it's not getting any riskier, right? It's getting maybe grosser, but, but I think people do fundamentally have some misconceptions about shelf life, right? And, and what exactly what that means and expiration dates and, and this whole confusing nomenclature. And yeah, people are very definitely uh, confused, but, uh, but yeah, I'm not super worried about uh, really, really old fruitcake. Right. Yeah. No, me, me either. Um, and so, but it, it's it, like, if Thanksgiving is the holiday that gives us um, poultry food safety discussions, um, Christmas is the, you know, or the holiday season is the time where, where eggnog and fruitcake comes up every single year. Um, and I think it's, I don't know. I think it's funny. Like I, you, and uh-huh. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it makes, it makes sense, but also like we, you know, the article that I sent you was from like 2014 and every, mm-hmm. every year someone wants to talk about fruitcake. Um, my favorite part about this. And I, again, I hope I'm not scooping the, the journalist who wrote the, wrote the article, but at the end of our conversation, she said, so do you eat fruitcake? And I'm like, no, I, I don't like it. Like, it's kind of gross to me. Candied like candied fruit and in a heavy spicy cake it's just not my like it's not my thing it's not a dessert i would choose and she said uh yeah no one no one i've talked to likes it 
Like, why, why are we talking about it? No one eats it. No one likes yeah. it. I mean, someone must eat it because someone you still, it, yeah, it's still, it's sold. Yeah. Right. Well, but, and I, yeah. I, I try, I eat it uh, now and again, just to remind myself that I don't like it or to remind I, myself why I don't like it. This picture, this picture from the Vox article actually looks kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> with that, with that, that sugary icing on there. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, I look, it's better. I, I've, yeah, I, yeah. I, I early on in my career, I worked with um, some entrepreneurs that were making a, a fruit, like a high end fruitcake recipe, um, and it was pretty good. But uh, you know, I mean, if you put enough other stuff in there, you know, like spiced rum and stuff, yeah, this was this yeah. was like a Jamaican fruitcake that they had gotten from their uh, their housekeeper, and they were gonna oh. they were gonna um, popularize it and and sell <laughs> sell it. I don't they, I don't know if they are. Uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe they're multimillionaires today, but yeah, right, right, right. They're they're uh, um, uh, fruitcake magnets. Mag yes, <laughs> yeah, magnates. Yes, magnates, magnates. See, this is a part where I um, where I don't uh, pronounce things correctly. It's okay. Um, okay, so a couple other things that yes. I wanted to talk about, and then we'll, let's get into uh, into the stuff that you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um. Did you, well, you probably didn't see this, um, but I will send it to you right now. Uh, we talked, I think, in a episode of Risky or Not about uh, a German uh, raw pork sandwich called Met. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. So, so here's an interesting article that I want, I want to get your, your thoughts on. Um, this comes from, I would say, my least favorite publication in Apple News. <laughs> um, and I've, I've definitely talked about the tasting tables. I think that I just, I don't get it. Like there's a lot of picking from a lot of other sources on stuff. Um, and so, so this, this, uh, kind of out of nowhere came out over the weekend. Uh, Germany's raw pork sandwich isn't as scary as you think. Um, written by Crawford Smith. Uh, Crawford writes, I recently traveled to Berlin, Germany to visit from some friends. Before I went, made a mental list of foods I needed to try. Of course, this included German classics like pretzels, ice vine, which skimmed, uh, simmered pig knuckle sauerkraut. I also made sure um, to eat as much of Berlin's amazing Turkish foods. Um, but there was one dish on my list that filled me with a mix of anticipation and fear, an open face sandwich made with raw ground pork or met. Mm. Um, so, and And not from a... Uh, a palate standpoint, this is where, where Crawford says, uh, quote, the idea of eating a raw pork challenged my North American ideas about food safety, but I read the dish was ubiquitous in Berlin and I confirmed firsthand when I landed in the city. So the passage that I want to want to highlight here um, is uh, found in here. Hang on. Let me find it. Um, oops. I've now lost it. Um Regulations. Yeah. In Germany, the meat used for Met is strictly regulated. It's illegal to saw raw Met the day after it was ground. Okay. If butchers okay. want to use the leftovers, they must be cooked. The risk of food poisoning is minimized by making sure that Met stays cold right up to the point it's served per Atlas Obscura. And I just don't get it. Like, the, the, so I wanted to talk about this from, from a, like that might be what the regulation says, but that's not doing what it's it that it's not doing what you think it's doing, right? Like what what are what are we missing here? And I know we talked about this in our risk or not 
episode, but I'm, I just wanted to rehash this as follow-up, but that's not, it's not doing what you think it's doing by eating it right away or serving it cold. Like the risk is you got ground raw pork that might have contamination from the, like from the, the, the slaughter and processing standpoint into the, the primal cuts of that pork. And then it's ground and put inside, like it's ground up. So I don't, I don't know. I'm I like, I, I'm not sure what, 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 like I I'm, I know we're not missing something here, but but I, I I find that interesting that that is the you know what has been sort of portrayed here. Yeah, and I uh, now forever will every time anybody talks about raw meat in Germany, I will forever now think about hepatitis E. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. thanks to the work that I did for FAO WHO, and uh, yeah, and so well, I'll just read from this the the first line of this. Um, uh, uh, Deutsches Arteblatt International article, which is not one that I'm familiar with. Um, at least 17% of the population in Germany has been infected with hepatitis E virus. Uh, thus, hepatitis E infections are more frequent than previously assumed. Fewer than 500 hepatitis E infections were reported to the Robert uh, Koch Institute in 2013. So, yeah, this is like they the the German scientist that was at this panel with me said, yeah, we started looking and you know basically we found two orders of magnitude more cases than we thought we had. So, yeah, and the Germans do eat a lot of raw pork, so that would be uh, or undercooked pork, so that would be a concern potentially. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so anyway, saw this uh, and figured we would we would re rehash it. Um, okay. Are you? I, do you want to play a little game? Sure. It, it led to something else. Sure. Um, let me find. Let me find the game. It is. It's a good one, Don. It's a good one. It, it's a. It's the kind of thing that you and I love to play, on um uh, on food safety talk i'm dropping you the game uh of here's the headline and you get to pick the oh, you get okay. to pick what i it know is. what this is yeah okay the headline is five shocking foods you should eat a day after you cook or open them um okay so, okay five foods so five foods so <sighs> Yeah, I did read the article when it came out because even though they have separate headlines, I think we're reading the same article. Yes. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, leftover rice because it'll cause your limbs to fall off. Uh huh. Um, uh, like pasta, the same reason. Um, cut vegetables. Um, anything with eggs in it. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I, it was a horrible, it was like, it was a horrible article. Right. Yeah. And I, I've just mostly blocked that out of my mind and I can't even, I can't even put myself in this headspace of who would, of what even, I mean, and when you, when you, if you read the article, if you know enough about food safety, as you read the article, you could kind of see the elements of truth that were underlying this massive completely nonsensical and useless and not helpful article, but, but I don't remember any more specifics than that. Well, you got, you got very close. So, okay. so, so number one on the list is hard boiled eggs. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, because, right? because those are known to be massive killers. 
Well, so no, yes. And and here's why. Don, did you know that eggshells act as a protective coating to ward off bacteria? But then once you remove that coating, like you deshell them, you peel them, bacteria can quickly enter the egg's pores and contaminate it. Like what? Well, see, you, th that, that explains, Ben, why during the pandemic, I only wore a suit of eggshells. <laughs> it's true. So um, listeria has been shown to invade hard-boiled eggs that have been peeled, which is true. Ish. Yeah. Ish. In invade is a very interesting word to use here. The bacterium causes, do you know what the listeria uh, bacterium causes, Don? Listeriosis? Yeah, the infection listeriosis. Um, other common foods it's linked to our unpasteurized milk, so making another appearance today. Soft cheeses, vegetables, and meat products such as deli meat. Um, after boiling eggs, the USDA recommends quickly cooling them in an ice bath and then popping them in a fridge within two hours. But okay. if still in the shell, hard-boiled eggs are safe for roughly one week. Uh, now I'm confused, Ben. Yeah. So it's like if you peel them, a peel toxic. Yes. Got it. Um, after 24 hours, not immediately. 24 hours. No, 24, right. Set your clock. Set your set your clock. Okay. So there's one. Um, next one on the list uh is is one that that surprised me. Um, ground meat. Okay. So okay. Uh, why? The USDA cautions that ground meat lasts one day, a maximum of two, in the fridge before it starts going bad. Okay, I don't so think that's correct. I don't think one, USDA does say that. It's one or two. Mm. Also, ground meat, and this, this this is one where similar to our last uh, you know article conversation um, about your you know your questions and kind of being applied out of context a little bit in the article. Um, there's a, um, someone who, who I know, I don't know if you know her, but Tracy Brigman at university of Georgia, she's, she's quoted in this article, but I don't think she was asked the questions about what the article is now framed around Yeah, because she says, um, bacteria from the surface of raw ground meats, sausage can be mixed in the product during the grinding process. <laughs> this is why ground meats must be cooked all the way through to kill bugs, which is, that is true. Yes. But but that has very little to do with the headline of foods that need to be eaten either today or if you read it your headline tomorrow um or my headline is tomorrow to for for safety reasons. Okay? Yeah. So and I, I I will I will say if you look at the food food safety keeper app on the website and I'm sure it's the same on your device um uh, beef ground for freshness and quality. This item should be consumed within one to two days if refrigerated from the date of purchase. And so that is sort of quasi true. Again, we can argue whether USDA is giving it good advice there or not, but at least they are sort of, they're not misquoting USDA, it seems like. Yeah, but it's out of context, right? Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. So you got. You, you, uh, so we got route, uh, ground meat. Okay. Next one on the list. You kind of got at this. You mm. said, I think you said cut vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. So I will give you cut, um, a cantaloupe melon. Okay. Well, cantaloupe melon. Yeah. Um, 
so and this comes to to us the, the quote is from uh, Darren Detweiler, um, who we 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 know and have talked about. He says cantaloupe should be eaten as soon as it is cut open. Never purchase pre cut or have cantaloupe. Okay, it's it is like I'll, I'll give him riskier. Uh, for that, he he is quoted as saying that salmonella and listeria can grow. I, I would say the day after, like this is one where the again the 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 listeria growth is not going to be. It is going to be growing. It is not going to be growing quick enough to make it one day in my mind. Like eat it tomorrow, the from a risk standpoint. It, yeah, yeah, well, but so, you know, what I would say to my to my elderly mother is if you want to have cantaloupe, don't buy cut cantaloupe from the store, okay? Yep. Buy it yourself and then honestly cut it and eat it and I would say for purposes of my mom, don't don't save it, right? Yes. Like give yes. like if you want to save it, that's fine. Feed it to younger people who have um, you know, younger immune systems, right? I I, I uh, yes, from a from a risk point of from a from a quantitative point of view, if you tell me the temperature of the fridge, I can pull out my computer model and I can tell you what the growth, the amount of growth is, and it's going to be relatively small even after one day. the The issue, the issue really with melon is it looks and smells fine, but if it has salmonella or worse yet, listeria in it, uh, well, I would say salmonella is probably worse. Um, listeria is, is, is worse over time because it'll grow in the, in, under refrigeration conditions. But yeah, I, I would almost sort of give you this one, but, but yes. again, what, what's the headline? The headline is, um, you must eat these foods. Must. No, no, it really depends on who you are. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, Darren, um, um, Darren, Daryl, Darren, 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 Dr. Detweiler, Darren. Dr. Detweiler, I think of the experts that they interview, he's probably the most qualified one and gets it the least wrong or gets it the most right. Yeah. Um, but some of these other people, I just I just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. 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 Okay. I will be back in two seconds. Pick this up. I think we have fixed <laughs> I, I think we have fixed it. I'll be right back. Okay.
Hey. Hey. I'm back. All right. I can hear you. Yeah, good. I'm it is fixed. What is fixed? Your your uh thing, your audio video thing? Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you about okay. it. Let's finish this out of this. Okay. Yeah, and then I'll do well, I I've follow up about it. Cool. So, um, okay. So all right. So now we've got so we got we got cantaloupe, we've got raw, we got um hardboiled eggs, legs, we got raw meat. You'd said uh cooked rice or cooked po- pasta, right? Because your limbs fall off. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, you nailed that one. Um, it is uh the rice cooked rice has only a day in the fridge before it spoils. That's because it's prone to the spore forming bacteria bacillus cereus. It's not right, like come on, we've it's like and this is again where the context of the in the quote from um from Tracy Brigman it, it kind of explains that this they they use this out of context which is cooking doesn't kill the spores so if you leave your cooked rice or pasta at room temperature the spores can multiply quickly and produce a significant amount of toxin that is true right but but it's not what the article is about which is right. eat it within a day right well i would say if you're going to store your rice at room temperature um i don't even recommend eating it in a day yeah <laughs> right I think that's a right. bad idea, even if it's, if, yeah, you know, cause it's, cause it should not be stored at room temperature. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So here's another one that was, would not have been on my list of ones to guess raw chicken. So yeah. it's poultry is particularly prone to salmonella because it's less dense than raw meats like beef, making it easier for bacteria to get inside. What? What is that? Yeah. Is that made up? Like, have you ever heard that before? Say it again. Poultry is particularly prone to salmonella because it's less dense than red meats like beef, making it easier for bacteria to get inside. That's completely nonsense. That's just made up. Like that. (laughs) This is a new one though. Like I've never. Yeah. I've not heard this one before. It's a good one. Yes. Spoiled chicken tends to turn gray-green color when it goes bad, and moldy spots can crop up, indicating bacteria. Mm, no, I think the moldy what? spots, the moldy <laughs> spots would probably indicate mold. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how mold works. And then, so the entire conversation about this is about, like, it says, you know, the next part is rinsing chicken will not eliminate bacteria. Then the quote is from someone saying, "Don't rinse your chicken," but it has nothing to do with. The, the headline, like the headline right. of like, like this, this is an actually an article that could have benefited from AI because right. I think AI would have got it better, would have done like, yes, I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. AI would not have written such a bad article. Chat, I'm doing it right now. Chat okay. GPT this. You must tell, please tell me. This is important to be polite when yes. you're talking to an AI quote. What? foods yeah so an ai always answers nicely which means it says certainly i can do that for you okay please tell me quote what foods you must eat on the same day i'm gonna say what five foods on the same day you cook or open them to avoid getting sick how's that sound sure Chat GPT says uh, perishable raw meat. If not cooked immediately, stored in the refrigerator and consume it within a few days. Even Chat GPT gets it right. Dairy products, milk, yogurt, and cheese are perishable and can spoil if not stored properly. 
always check the expiration date and refrigerate them promptly. Eggs, store them in the refrigerator and cook them before consuming. Prepared or leftover foods, leftover meals should be promptly refrigerated and consumed within a few days. Um, cut fruits and vegetables. So it basically gets the 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 same foods, but it doesn't say it like I don't know. Man, I feel like I'm I, I just get I get all like soapboxy about this one, but is this this is just a terrible article from yeah. the Daily Mail. Yeah, really bad. <sighs> I mean, other than the, it's one good thing about it, I guess, is it gives us something to talk about, but I'd rather I'd rather have something else to talk about and not have this article ever have been published. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So speaking of which, other things to to talk about. Um you do you did put some good stuff in here. Yeah. So let's go. Where where do you want to go? Um talk about fire food salvage. Yeah, actually, uh that would yeah, let's do that. So this is um yeah, so this is um we have to say like thanks to this will be quick. A uh, friend of the show, Adam Inman, um, who is a uh, public health official who points us towards a wonderful AFTO resource, uh, which is the AFTO Food Emergency Regulator Pocket Guide, third edition. Um, and uh, yeah, and he says, uh, and again, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but there's not a whole lot on, on fire. But he says, uh, check out the reconditioning food after a fire section starting on page 76. Now, this is a very long um, uh, pocket guide. I don't, I, who, whoever is using this has big ass pockets, Ben. <laughs> big pockets. Yes. Big pockets. Um, uh, but yeah, so page 76, which is almost at the end of this guide. Um, and basically uh, it says, uh, where did, is, is it really, is it page 76? Um, I think so. Reconditioning food after a fire. Yeah, it's, it's a, oh yeah, right. So it's basically, it's just a table and it's, and it basically says, uh, I think it agrees with what we said, hermetically sealed containers, with no heat damage, uh, you can salvage, right? Um, if heat and water damage was minimal, canned goods can be salvaged, clean the exterior, and move to suitable storage areas. Um, uh, leaking, dented, or rusty, bulging cans, discard, I think that makes good. Packaged food in closed coolers and freezers. Uh, here, the, the advice is TBD. Um, some foods may be salvaged. Ooh, some food may be salvaged. I think that's a typo. If enclosed in a case or walk-in freezer or cooler, no extended chemical or no extended electrical interruption based on severity, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then, um, uh, interesting, food in plastic containers salvage if packaging can be cleaned without decontaminating content. So so I I, th I would say of all of the, the advice that we've received from governmental or quasi-governmental organizations, the AFTO is the is the yeah. the best and the more fully thought out. So I thank just thanks to Adam for pointing us towards this resource. It's it's a really good one. And and I'm I again I, I will say I've said before I'll continue to say I think AFTO really continues to impress me with the great work that they do. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think this one was really good. What so on this, I actually can you scroll you're still in the document, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um I want you to scroll scroll to page 78. Mm -hmm. Um and just tell me what what you might be upset about page 70 it's, it's the one 78 yep. uh it is the oh <laughs> i i just yeah uh 
Oh uh, yeah. Um, so um, one of uh, one of the things that I don't like, and it's a it's an opinion that I share with the uh, problematic uh, risk assessor Tony Cox, um, who does not like these stoplight diagrams. And so this is a red, yellow, green diagram where basically. Um, you know, it just says, uh, it has the food safety consequences of disasters and it's got the disasters across the top and the consequences down the, the left-hand side. And, uh, it's got, it's got, a, a risk of food safety consequence by disaster from low, which is green to high, which is red. Um, and there are very precise numbers, um, such as 4, 4 4.4, 4.1, 3.9, 2.0. Um, uh, so for, uh, apparently, if you have interruption of electrical services during a drought, uh, that's only a 2. But if you have interruption of electrical services during a winter storm, um, that's a 4.6. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, no clear idea how any of these... <laughs> these matrices came together um and we'll we'll i will find i will find a, a one or more articles by tony cox from google scholar on uh these matrices and why they're problematic this one is problematic for even if it was done correctly and it's just it's just like okay somebody just made up a bunch of numbers and there's no yeah i mean i'm sure there might be some logic behind it but it's not in this one pager here at the, at the end yeah. of this document so my favorite of this is um is fire so so don if the disaster is a fire the food safety consequence of fire is 4.9 oh but it's but it's but it's fire it's oh it's but it's fire interfaced with something else though right no it's fire interfaced with fire oh fire and fire yeah <laughs> it's yeah fire and fire 4.9 but it's fire and fire 4.9. But what's like, what I love about this is how is that not a five? <laughs> <laughs> and well, yeah, none of them go to five, Ben. None of them go. They Well, not, not all the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I saw this and I thought, oh, I, I need to talk to you about it. Cause I think it's really interesting. Like the, you know, um, how this gets done, right? Like what, what it, you know, and, and what is it, what does it mean? Right. Yeah. Like, and I, I, just, I loved your example of the drought versus winter storm. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So anyway, I saw that and I was like, yep, it's good for us to good, 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 uh, podcast fodder for us. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who's interested, there is a quite a readable article, um, uh, entitled what's wrong with risk matrices, uh, published in 2008, um, from the journal risk analysis by the aforementioned, uh, Tony Cox. So, uh, he does a really nice job of breaking down what some of the problems are with these kinds of tools. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Let's talk about cooking, destroying allergens. Yeah. Um, so this, this was, yeah, this is one that came to us from a friend of the show, uh, Patrick Guzzle. I think we can, we can call yeah. him out. Um, uh, cause it's, he's not at fault here in any of this. He says, uh, during a, uh, something that I was listening to the other day, uh, oh, wait, um, oh, I, yeah. I said something, I oh, said, Patrick, yeah. Patrick, oh, oh, I thought you, I thought Patrick was talking about somebody else. Oh, so we are. All right. So yes, Patrick, I think you might be wrong here. Uh, I, I, I misread the, who, who it was, but, um, uh, 
I said something along the lines of, it appears that allergen proteins are destroyed as part of the cooking process. Now I've been asked if there's a study I can point to as a reference for this statement. Um, and the bottom line is no. <laughs> um, uh, the, the more nuanced bottom line is it's complicated and it depends, right? Um, and so I, what I did was I uh, found a couple of different studies and I, I sent these to Patrick and we'll, we'll find links to them as well. Um, it really depends on the allergens and it depends upon what you mean by cooking. And so there, there were, there were two articles uh, specifically focused because this is the nature of research in the literature, right? It's very focused on details. Uh, both articles were focused on peanut protein and try to explain why there are differences in rates of peanut allergy in, in the United States versus China. Um, the earlier study concluded that cooking methods may explain the differences in allergenicity. And the more recent study reaches the opposite conclusion. Okay. Um, and so again, uh, study one, uh, quoting from the abstract, roasting uses higher temperatures that apparently increase the allergenic property of peanut proteins and may help explain the difference in prevalence of peanut allergy observed in the two countries. Okay. So sort of counterintuitive, right? Higher temperatures means more allergenicity because of the changes to the proteins. Um, but then study two, uh, therefore, cooking methods may not explain the reason for lower prevalence of peanut allergy in China. And so I, I, I bottom line is, as I told Patrick, it's an over a gross oversimplification to say allergens are destroyed as part of the cooking. But I think it is important to realize that people are allergic to food because of proteins and proteins are changed by cooking, right? Um, those two are true statements, but the more nuanced and complicated statements from the peer reviewed literature are also true. Right, right. Yeah. And I just sent you another article um, that kind of highlights this um, uh, legumin allergens from peanuts and soybeans effects of uh, denaturation and aggregation on allergenicity. And mm. so just from the abstract that highlights this exact issue, both proteins are relatively stable to denaturation, denature. Yeah. Did I say that right? Denaturation. Denaturation. Yep. Yeah. Having denaturation temperatures ranging from 70 degrees to 92 degrees Celsius, depending on their quaternary structure and the ionic strength. So, so it's, it's exactly right. Like, yeah, I mean, you can denature proteins with quote cooking, but what, you know, that cooking at 92 degrees Celsius for a long, you know, for, um, for some amount of time is, is, you know, in, in some proteins necessary. And this is where like the, you know, sensitivity to allergens really comes in too. So you right. may like, um, I, I think about this with like, um, shellfish allergies and in, in deep fried, um, settings where, you know, deep, a deep fry oil, fry oil, gets really, really hot, like, it, you know, well above hundred degrees Celsius. Um, and, you may get if you're dropping like shrimp into the um into your fryer and then you're frying something for someone who has a shellfish allergy, you may get denaturation of that um of that allergen or at least most of it, but it also may not be like there still may be trace um you know uh un I get just natured, you know, undenatured, just regular protein that remains that could cross contact into that food. And so it's, it's like in certain settings that it, it's, yeah, I, I liked your answer of like, it's complicated and it depends. It's not as, as simple as saying cooking methods, um, you know, uh, eliminate risk of 
of protein. It's like some, or not protein of allergens. Some of them, yeah, you'll get reduced um, activity uh, of that protein uh, or allergen activity through denaturation, but it's not, it's, it's not all, all everything to every, every um, allergen. So it's one that, that like, that's why it's a problem for us. Right. So, right. yeah, good, um, good one for, for follow-up. And I like I like the way that you answered that. Well, thanks. Thanks. Um, and then I got, uh, two more, uh, and maybe let's, let's start with the low histamine diet one, right? Which is, uh, again, a question from a listener, Kyle. Um, and, and again, this is an example of people out there giving food safety advice that, to people that's not really helpful. And so, so Kyle writes, uh, recently my partner has been having some medical problems that have given her a referral to see a dietitian. With the symptoms they are having, the dietitian recommended a low histamine diet. I work in food service and I am ServeSafe certified. I have never once heard histamine talked about when it comes to food safety. When looking into it, it seems like anything that is, quote, leftovers will, quote, generate histamine. Now, I don't doubt that histamine is affected by how we cook and store foods. My question is, can you two give a better scientific explanation of how or why histamine builds up in foods? Is it because food spends too long in the temperature danger zone? Is food constantly in a state of fluctuating histamine levels that are affected by heating, cooking, cooling? Does histamine prefer to grow in colder heat? Well, I would say histamine does not grow. It's produced by bacteria, which do grow, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Thank you for your time and consideration. Um, I look I look forward to, to any advice, uh, Kyle and the un, and the importantly unnamed partner. So uh, I will say um, there's there's two articles that I sent to Kyle, and I think they're good ones. Uh, one is an old article uh, from 1986, uh, published by uh, Steve Taylor and others in Critical Reviews in Toxicology, or no, just by Steve Taylor himself. No, no others, just Steve. Um, uh, oh, with Ron Knight Miller as the referee. That's interesting. Um, they published who the referee is. Um, uh, in February 1986, entitled uh, Histamine Food Poisoning, Toxicological and Clinical Aspects. And so again, um, uh, Steve is a wonderful scientist and a, and a great human being. And uh, certainly I would encourage people to take a look at that, um, uh, at that article. Um, it, and then also a uh, link to a recent book on histamines in general, um, and, and the whole book is online, uh, which is bizarre, uh, but it's true. Um, and we'll have to figure out, I, huh, cause I, I click on a link and then I just get the PDF, but basically the part that we're interested in for purposes of this show would be, um, uh, let's see, um, uh, page, uh, histamine food poisoning from this book on histamines in general, um, starts on page 214. I'll, I'll, and I'll find the link that I had in the email just leads to a download of the PDF, but I'll find a better link for posting. But, but yeah, so histamines, uh, basically the, the answer to the question is, um, histamine accumulates in foods through the action of microorganisms. And it's especially problematic in foods that have a high contrast concentration of histidine, which is transformed into histamine by the action of microbial enzymes. And, and again, just from looking at um, uh, both chapters or the, the, the article and the, and the book and the book chapter is foods that you, that I would suggest that Kyle's partner avoid would be cheese, 
fish and sausages and sorry, cheese, fish, sausages, and wine. Um, and then there's also a number of plant foods uh, from the book chapter, um, which would include things like soy sauce, sufu, miso, natto, uh, soy milk, tempeh, tofu, soybean paste, tamari, tomato pasta, ketchup, spinach puree, and green peas. So um, I think the, the blanket advice that you should avoid all leftovers is a bit extreme. Um, and so, but if, but if Kyle and his uh, unnamed partner wanted to start eliminating foods, I think this would, this would give you a pretty good list to start from. And I guess on the, on the question on this is the idea around leftovers is that the bacteria that will, I guess, cleave the histidine into histamine can grow at refrigeration temperatures is that is that kind of the the thought belief or what's the yeah like what yeah i, I, I don't i don't know right right like, yeah. yeah like that doesn't that does not really make any sense to me right yeah like like it really it really it really is action of microorganisms now now again some of these may be spoilage organisms they may grow in the refrigerator um, but again, it's not, it's not like all leftovers are bad. It's just like right. leftovers that are uh, left around for a long period of time that have these bacteria in the, in the first place. Right. Um, and that are, that have the ing ingredients, the right ingredients. And so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's nuanced and obviously everybody's sensitivities is, is different, but I think at least if you read these, these two articles, or the book chapter and the article, it will give you some sense of how com how complex it is and maybe what would need to be done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm going to just add to this a couple of things, three links here. One, sure. um, a link to uh, an, a 2009 article uh, in Indie Week, which is one of my one of my favorite um, uh, publications I subscribe to here, Raleigh. It's like a local independent newspaper. Um, there was an outbreak um, that happened at a restaurant that no longer exists called Evu, mm. e um, which was uh, you know extra virgin olive oil. Um, <laughs> but the the uh, restaurant doesn't exist for other reasons, not because of this outbreak. But I I remember <laughs> watching local TV news, which I did in two thousand and nine at the at the mm -hmm. time at night at like eleven o'clock and seeing. Um, a report of like ambulances showing up to this restaurant on a Friday night and not like, I think it was like three or four ambulances Whoa. and then the fall. Yeah. And so, so um, this, this kind of, you know, like I remember that, the, you know, I was, I was new to Raleigh, not new to the world of food safety extension. This is just in the first like five or six months that I, that I worked here at NC state. And I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. This is, this is what I was here. This is what I'm, I was brought here for is to like, learn about this outbreak, talk to, you know, be, be a good um, food safety extension specialist uh, working with restaurants across the state about what could have happened here. And so this is the first time that I that I ended up um, working and learning of um, now a friend of mine for a long time who's quoted in this article, Andre Pierce, who at the time was Wake County's environmental uh, health and safety director. He now works for FDA. Um, and uh, it's where I, I got introduced to local public health here, uh, was was really just trying to follow up and seeing if I could do something to um, to help sort of um, you, uh, uh, extend the knowledge of this outbreak. So what it what had it eventually what had what had happened was Don um, mm -hmm. was that uh, 
there were anchovies that were used in a Caesar salad dressing that had high levels of histamine and it was a canned product um, that came from a specific producer, Monarch. And mm. so there were histamine levels that were um, uh, measured at 48 to 79 parts per million. FDA considers levels of more than 50 parts per million unsafe for consumption. So it resulted in a, in a recall um, of, of this product, but the, um, that a number of people who had eaten, um, this, uh, this, uh, salad dressing, um, uh, became, became sick. Um, and, uh, so anyway, the, just a couple other articles about this, the uh, history, you know, exactly like you had said before, histamine production in, in, um, in anchovies comes from histidine being in, the fish and that spoilage bacteria can uh, grow and, and, and essentially cleave that histidine into histamine. Um, and it's, it's like, it, it's a very acute onset. Like if you eat something that's got, and you're, you have like, um, even if you don't have allergies, but particularly if you do have food allergies, eating a bunch of histamine can be really, really terrible. Like just, you know, like, um, uh, you know, some, some folks can go into anaphylactic shock, anaphylactic shock, but often it leads to like very acute diarrhea. Um, mm. and, and so apparently that's what, what had happened. Um, and I remember there, there's not, the quote is not here, but I remember reading a quote was like someone, someone was eating at, you know, at, at this restaurant, it's a very small restaurant. And their dinner partner left to go to the to the restroom, and then like four other people, you know, all ran to the restroom. Can you imagine mm. being that person who's not having Ooh. this reaction and being like, "What is happening?" And then all of a yeah. sudden, like the you know, like uh, uh, um, ambulance is being called to to deal with this. Oof. So a pretty wow. pretty scary um, you know, situation. But anyway, this, every time we think like we talk about histamine or someone asked me about it, I remember this particular outbreak, which is super dated now, right? It's like almost 15 mm -hmm. years old, but I, um, it sticks out in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about, uh, some rolling pins? Yeah. It's Let's well, and, and actually, I, I do. I, I want to let, let's talk about rolling pins, and then I have a brief follow up. And actually, this anchovy article reminded me of this. I did an interview with another podcast, um, and it's always great when you are a guest on a podcast, and then other people that you know um, from the extended um, Merlin podcast universe reach out to you and say, "Hey, I heard you on a podcast." <laughs> um, so we, we'll we'll come back and talk about that. But yeah, let's talk about let's talk about rolling pins first. Yeah. So our our good uh, our good friend um, Billy, who I used to have a deep name, right? I can't remember what it was. Oh, do, I couldn't we, tell you. Deep South? Yeah. I don't think so. I think Deep South <laughs> okay. someone else. Somebody else, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe it was Deep South. Um anyway, uh Billy Billy reached out to us on on our um on our email said uh I was reading a Washington Post article entitled The Political and Demographic Divides in Kitchen Tool Ownership and More. And this line jumped out at me. Quote, the rolling pin is the kitchen's leading dust collector with 22% of us owning one and never using it. Chopsticks and food thermometers sim similarly languish in the least opened, most chaotic drawer in the kitchen. The sad languishing food thermometer with 15% of respondents saying they own it, but don't use it. Or sorry, 15% saying they own it, 
but don't use it. And 28% saying they don't own it. The Mighty Potato Masher gets slightly more. Anyways, I was thinking, is there anyone else who would think that this is interesting? Um, and, he, <laughs> and he thought of us. And I did think this was interesting. Did you see this article before Billy sent it to us? I, I would not have seen it if not for Billy. So thank you, Billy. I read this um, when it when it came out because I'm, 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 I'm a WAPO reader. And I and I thought that this it, it you know, like they they uh, the the AI analytics tells me things like this is an article you might want to read and it was one that I wanted to read I thought it was really <laughs> really interesting and it wasn't shocking to me about the um, the thermometer use right so fifteen percent of respondents saying they own a thermometer but don't use it and twenty eight percent saying they don't own it so like if you put those numbers together, we're looking at somewhere around 43% of people not using a thermometer, either because they own one and don't use it or don't have one in the in the first place. And I would say that that is like right along the lines of what I thought it would be. Um, it's not, not super shocking, but it is a tool that I use every day in my house. Um, do you yeah. have a rolling, you got rolling pins? We do. We do have rolling pins and we use them occasionally. But what I will also say is we use chopsticks every day because prior to, and I've, I think I've shared this on the show before, and it's a little, it's a weird thing that we do now, but we keep doing it because we're weird is before going to Japan for the predictive modeling conference last summer, uh, my wife wanted to get really good at chopsticks. And so uh, we, she made the decision that we, we were going to, we have a salad almost every night um, and that we were going to eat our salad with chopsticks. And that is now just a thing that we do. Um, uh, we don't have to, cause we've been to Japan. <laughs> we know how to use chopsticks now. <laughs> But it's just a thing that we do. It's just a weird thing that we do. And so we use our chopsticks every day. And I will also say that we use our food thermometer on a very regular basis, probably not every day, but certainly, and not, and not, I would say most of the uses of a food thermometer in our house are not for safety. They're for quality, just to make sure if we're heating something in leftovers up in the toaster oven or, or something, uh, and I want to make sure that it's hot on the inside because I've never heated this food before for this amount of time. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get the thermometer out because that's a great way to know what the temperature is inside of a food for either for food safety or for more likely quality. Absolutely. Um, there, there's an interesting data visualization on this too, that relates mm -hmm. yep. to, um, gr self-described great cooks. So self-reported great cooks and those who are just not, don't describe themselves as great cooks. And the the biggest delta between someone who who is a great cook and a um, just a, a regular cook is around the ownership of a zester, mm -hmm. where sixty five percent of self described great cooks own a zester, where just thirty seven percent of the good, okay, or terrible cooking masses do. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, um, we we for sure own uh, zesters. There is not. I think we have most everything on here that we own. Yeah, there's not a thing on here that I don't own. That and and actually, there's probably not. A, there's the only thing that I don't use in this regularly. Like mm -hmm. I would say within within like a two month period, I we we own a garlic press. I never use it. I chop all my garlic, and and now. I'm even I'm way, way more on garlic chopping than press because of my my friend and your friend. And I mean, our friend from the Internet because we watched his TikToks and because you got a camo cameo of him for my birthday last year. Uh -huh. um, Chef Reactions, <laughs> yes. who who really 
um, looks down upon those who don't um, chop garlic, uh, and and certainly looked down on the on those who uses who use jarlic as it's known. Um, mm. uh, uh, and um, so anyway, I I do a lot of chopping of garlic. Um, and then the other thing that I probably don't use a whole lot of, but I do have is the ricer. I, hmm. we just mm-hmm. don't, we just don't use, but everything else on here I use all the time. Yeah, we, we have one, but we, it's not, it's not something we use on a real regular basis. So, hmm. well, well, hopefully you're not using a lot of garlic. No, I don't think we use any garlic. <laughs> I just like saying it. Um, <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. So, uh. That one, uh, that one's good. Um, oh yeah, we we talked about that one already. Um, there's something else that we wanted that was in here that I was going to talk about, or maybe it was somewhere else. Hang on, let me see. What else? Do you have anything else that you want to want to chat about? Yeah, I do want to talk about this uh, ep- podcast episode that I did. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that. So I did, I did uh, an episode of the podcast Search Engine uh, with somebody named PJ Voigt, V-O-G-T. Yep. yep. Um, and um, I was in part two of a two-part episode. Am I the victim of an international sushi scam? Part two: The thrilling conclusion. And so um, we will. Uh, I'll put the uh, the link to the to the Substack in the. Uh, the show notes and I'll, I'll give it for you here as well to look at, but basically um, so, so PJ was half of the uh, podcast reply all, which is apparently also one that is uh, pretty well known. And um, yeah. And so part, so this guy, I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit, but this guy um, is a po- successful podcaster. He has a favorite sushi restaurant that he goes to, but apparently it always gives him food poisoning. Um, and so he was like, well, maybe they're using the, the weird, you know, substitution fish Escobar, I think is the name of the fish, um, instead of tuna. And he, he found a DNA testing expert, a fish DNA testing expert and got them to test the DNA. And it turns out this, that that was all legit, but then he's like, well, maybe I need to talk to a food safety expert. And they found me. And so uh, I did a pre-interview with his producer and it was, it went great. We had a lot to talk about. Um, I think he might've even used the line, save it for the show, uh, as I began <laughs> to talk about things. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, um, uh, did a great interview with PJ and it turned out really well. Uh, and, um, and again, um, a f- friend, a friend from the internet writes, as I was listening to the, f- the fish DNA guy, I was like, PJ needs Dr. Don. Um, and, uh, turns out he found me. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and actually I'm now that I, we did this thing on histamine, I wonder if maybe what he's experiencing is, hist- experiencing is histamine poisoning. Ooh, but again, yeah. it would have to be, it's not acute because it, again, if this restaurant was giving everybody who ate their food poisoning, it would be, um, it would be, it would be a problem and it's not right. Uh, so right, there is right. something else going on and maybe it is PJ's specific sensitivity, right. Or something, but uh, yeah. So uh, so interesting episode. Yeah. I'm glad. So I'm glad you, you brought this up because this came to me um, it, hmm. outside of, outside of you from my brother-in-law. Oh, and he had told me about the podcast search engine this, this, uh, um, this summer. And I, it's one of those ones that went into my overcast as like, Oh yeah. You know, when you talk to someone 
um, especially like someone you really trust and is like, you should listen to this because you'd like it, right? And you kind of add um, uh, episodes, but don't actually listen to them. Listen to them, yep. Yeah, I believe it's it's called the um, Linda Harris syndrome. Um, <laughs> download, but don't listen to them. Um, so that's what I've been doing with Search Engine. And then um, my, my brother-in-law, Craig, texted me and said, hey, remember that podcast I mentioned to you in the summer? He said, your podcast just got mentioned in this episode. And then he said, oh, I said that too quick. Don was actually interviewed in this episode. So you'll probably already know this. So nope. um, so I didn't know that uh, because I've been, um, I hadn't chatted with you about it, but I, and I had been like subscribing, but not listening. So anyway, we, um, as I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'll be driving to Canada for about 12 hours over the next couple of days. Um, and so I, it's on my list of, I want to listen to the search engine, um, episode and, um, my, my, uh, Danny, my, my lovely spouse is very much, uh, into many, many podcasts. And she said, she's been listening to search engine off and on, but not, she had not gotten to this episode. So, so we'll listen cool. to it together. Yeah. Um, and then someone told me about a really good, you're wrong about, um, mm. too. And do you listen to that one at all? I, I have listened to it. Um, it's, it's kind of off my list right now, but you know, what is on my list, uh, as a way of filling in with when I just need something fun and entertaining is I am back on the omnibus. Uh, oh listening yeah. To Ken and John. Uh, and, and then also I discovered that, that John, dear John letters, which you can only get through Patreon had suddenly disappeared from my feed. So I re-added that, but I missed a bunch of episodes. So, uh, back on the dear John, uh, and also omnibus, which uh, is a, is a great podcast for just weird esoteric knowledge. And I love, I love the chemistry between Ken and John. They have a really nice, really nice chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the one, um, that again, I'm, I'm going to mention, um, I love omnibus is, is one of the ones that, that we, we listen to a lot on, on our road trips. Um, mm -hmm. and when we're we, we like, it, I don't know, it kind of goes like this. Like, let me look at my, my podcast listening. I wish there were good stats on this where it's like of the ones that come up, what are the things that you listen to first? And I, mm -hmm. I've got, I'm managing both overcast and the podcast app. I use them both because the podcast app works better with my watch when I'm running than, mm, than, mm -hmm. um, than overcast does. Um, anyway, so I listen to the ongoing history of new music when it comes out. I listen to the daily almost every day. Um, I'm listening to pod save America, pretty much all of them. Um, omnibus, uh, ATP, uh, Roderick on the line, um, uh, under understood, but it hasn't been out. They have a, they're on hiatus right now. Um, and then, um, uh, 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 reconcilable differences. Um, and, and, but on, um, on overcast, I've been listening to, um, we've mentioned this and I know Merlin's a fan of it. Strong songs. I'm mm -hmm. saving one. Do you, have you like strong songs? Not your, not your thing, right? Not your jam. No, so uh, and no, and and uh, there's a related podcast called Song Exploder, yeah, which yep. I have listened to. Uh, just to, like I think the commander thinks aloud. Um, if that's the name of this John's song on that. Um, yep, yep. Yeah, not not. Yeah, I've not. I, you seem to have a way more time for listening to podcasts than I do. I I I've listened to regularly about half of the ones that you mentioned. So well, I'm in the car a lot, driving my kids mm. around. Yeah, that's um, true. So, um, but the one, so I'm saving a strong songs for our trip that came out, um, last week, uh, on the last, the band, the last waltz, like, oh, the, yes. and yes. so that's the end of the season is, uh, yeah, a, one of the greatest concert films of all time. And so I'm really looking forward to, 
um, yes. to, to, to Kirk, Kirk Hamilton, uh, walking me through the last waltz on my, on my drive. So, um, anyway, the, the, you're wrong about one that I'm supposed mm-hmm. to listen to that I've now added, um, is about cattle mutilation with Rachel Monroe. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. and it relates to a question. Did UFOs really travel across the galaxy to experiment on American cows in the 1970s? And if so, why did they come back after 50 years? Apparently this is an excellent like intersection of food agriculture and you're wrong about. So that's on my list to re- to listen to as I drive this week as well. Nice. Um, I think that's oh, a show. So, oh, sorry. Uh, no, yeah. one more thing, uh, which I would like to talk about. I hate that when I link to Apple podcast, it won't let me link to Apple podcasts. It, 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 it wants me to download, but, uh, can we talk a little bit about lead in applesauce? I put a oh. link there. Um, yes. this, so this okay. was a story a while back and I, we put it in to talk about, and then this most recent story came out, uh, yeah, last week at the 14th. And I got a call from a reporter, uh, who was, I don't remember. Oh, um, uh, Oh, what the heck? Who the heck was it? anyway? I'll, I'll I'll find the reporter's name and and it was the end of the day and I was busy and I saw the message come in and I just was oh that was the day I was chairing a department meeting etc. Um, and so this so this this story cropped up a while ago, but the most recent one in that will there's a, we'll link to an episode or a, a page from Politico um, entitled with the with the headline applesauce pouches may have been contaminated on purpose. FDA food chief says. Did you read this article? Yeah. And so this was um, in my, um, also in my like uh, Apple news list that I forgot to go back to. Um, so yeah, I read this article and and it, it's, there's not, it's really interesting to me because there's not a whole lot of information, right? It right. says this. So quote, we're still in the midst of our investigation. This is from um, FDA's deputy commissioner for human foods, Jim Jones. Um Quote, we're still in the midst of our investigation, but so far, all of the signals we're getting um, lead to an intentional act on the part of someone in the supply chain. And we're trying to sort of figure that out. <laughs> we're trying to sort of figure that out is a, is a very odd thing to say. Yeah. Um, Jones said in an exclusive interview with Politico. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's no, like that. There's not very much info on this. Um, other than that, which I, and that kind of set the world on fire for a couple of days late last week, at least in the internet, which is right. And, and yeah. Um, and I, you know, North Carolina was really at the heart of this. Um, I don't know if you, if you saw that, but we had a number of illnesses here in our state and our public health folks who mm. are amongst the best, not just cause I love them and they're here and I get to work with them all the time, but they're just amongst the best in the country at, um, at you know outbreak investigations, um, were, were were really part of um, cracking this case nationally of like why do we have all these lead issues? Um, what you know, first of all, what's happening, and then identifying lead, and then identifying the foods uh, where it was likely, um, yeah. So it is, yeah. I I mean to be de- to to be determined, but like. It's kind of, you know, they, they, you know, later on in the article, FDA says they currently believe that adulteration is economically motivated, um, which doesn't surprise me, but man, oh man. So like some, you know, like the the thing that, the, the thing that like I'm wary of on this is if it is economically motivated, kind of like melamine where, where lead was added 
to help identify some other nutrient that it's supposed to have or like not like mimic or like I just don't know where where it fits or if it was uh, um I think which is the you know the second option I think is less likely that it was added to um get back at at someone or you know as a um you know to displace someone within the market by saying oh your products have lead now only buy mine I think that's less likely but who knows maybe maybe it's not maybe that is Yeah and yeah, and the the and the person that reached out to me was Sony Saltzman, who is a producer with ABC ABC News Medical Unit, and they were actually specifically, I think, looking for an on camera expert. And I, I just I called her right at the deadline. Uh, but she, but she, her, her, she writes, uh, "Can you help us identify why a facility would intentionally put lead in applesauce?" And I'm like, "No, they I cannot not. help you with that." Right? Yes. I think it is much more likely the economic adulteration issue, and I think it's it's like think about it like like how how i and again this blows my mind right how much lead would have to be in the cinnamon to make kids suffer acute lead poisoning yeah it's got to be a massive amount right and so i think it's more likely that somehow this cinnamon was held under inappropriate conditions right and the company used it anyway um, or something like that. Right. Or that. Yeah. So it just doesn't, it, I don't think anybody would do this on purpose to hurt kids. Right. Like that just doesn't, if, if I was a terrorist, then I wanted to strike fear in people's hearts by hurting kids, by feeding them contaminated food. This is not the way that I would do it. Right. This makes right. no, this makes no sense. It's, I think it's got to be some sort of a screw up where someone is, you know, irrigating the cinnamon trees with, contaminated lead or the cinnamon is bark is harvested and then it got rained on um uh, where from gutters that were made of you know lead pipes or or that sat in in a lead container for too long with water or i don't know there's yeah. got to oh. be there's just so there's there, there's a key piece or two to this that we're just missing that fda may know about right um yeah. oh and the other thing too that um, that Sony uh, shared with me, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, say, yeah, well, you know, we the more we've dug into this, the more we think this FDA guy might have been uh, out over his skis a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you know this? Do you know this fellow, Jim Jones? No, he's a new guy. He's a new. Oh, new, oh he's, new the, guy well, he's the he's the new he's big the, big guy. Yeah, new big guy. New big guy. Oh, the new yep. the new Frank uh, Giannis. Yep. Yep. Oh, interesting. All right. And so what I thought about was this. I'm gonna give you like I just. Um, the, and this article has not, not exactly what we're talking about. Um, but, um, I was wondering if it was uh, intentionally adulterated where someone was adding uh, filler into cinnamon, like sawdust or something. And yeah. that sawdust was, had lead in it, like some, something like that. I just sent you a link to some old article from 2006 about sawdust contains harmful le- levels of lead from South Carolina. Again, not that situation, but I was wondering if that was maybe what we were talking about here is that someone was using filler. So yes, there's some cinnamon, but then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's being added in. Um, and that might be economically motivated where it's much cheaper than cinnamon. Yes. Now that makes sense actually. Um, right. That actually makes a lot of sense, but then how did the lead get into the sawdust? Does it say in that article? Mm -hmm. It, I think it was because it was like lead point poisoning or lead something to do with the, fl- it was flooring. Okay. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, so again, it's like someone just grabbed a bunch of wood 
and then made some okay. sawdust and then added it in again, just total speculation. So that makes sense, right? So something yeah. that looks like cinnamon that obviously does not smell like cinnamon, that was a way of extending cinnamon. Yep. Um, and that also happened to be lo loaded with lead that, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's very, you mentioned very high amounts. Um, so I will link to the, or we'll link to the initial Washington post article about the North Carolina investigation, uh, or where North Carolina was, uh, was, was involved here. And they were looking at over 500 times the amount of, um, uh, acceptable level of, uh, of lead in the, in the products itself. So like way, way, way above, uh, when looking at, um, at products. So yeah, a lot going on. Okay. Yeah. So more to be, you know, to be determined, who knows, but interesting that, that Jim Jones got out and was like, Hey, maybe, you know, may, you know, maybe it is economically motivated. Um, uh, but we'll, yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Hopefully we'll learn more from FDA soon. Yep. Yep. Um, F in quote, the FDA foods chief adds the agency intends to track down any perpetrator. We're going to chase that data and find out whoever was responsible and hold them accountable. I like that. Well, let's, let's hope. Yeah. That's, like, a, like, that's, that's your job. That's a lawman talking. <laughs> that sounds like the wild west on that's uh yeah, that might be wider that we're, that we're talking about there. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's a show. Uh, a show in in multiple parts uh, with our with our interruptions that that our listeners won't know about what we knew about. Uh, well, you know, it depends on how good you are with the editing, but uh, mm -hmm. it may it may have a few uh, uh, little little bumps and bleeps. Yeah, blurps, blurps, bumps, bleeps. Uh, show title. All right. Uh, all right. I'll I'll talk to you later. Have a happy holiday, Don. That's what people say. Right? Thanks. Happy holiday. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. So this guy has a degree in economics and a master's degree in economics. Lots, he's That's very, fascinating. Very good at economics. That's why it's oh, a, most of his career is a federal regulator of pesticides, toxic substances, and chemical safety with yeah. EPA. Yep. Interesting. Yep. yep. Um, so, yep. Yeah. Um,
I'm just capturing a show title. This is FST 297. Okay, cool. So I got I got everything I need. Should we um I couldn't get my my guy. I haven't heard back. I DM the not oh, like mm -hmm. the person who cold. Like I didn't know him. So we'll see if yeah. it not I'm you know, maybe he he's not he's not interested. Um yeah. so I am not here for two weeks. I have I edited the show notes for 290 six this morning so i'm going to post that up this afternoon this one i'll post next week sometime so the week of january 2nd what does your schedule look like that is a good week for me uh wide open on the second wide open on the third um um mostly open on the fourth um and then fifth is not good. Okay. Well, do you want to aim for like 11 a.m. on the second? Sure. I have to take Sam to the doctor at nine, but I will be, we will be done by 11. And I have a 11 until 1.30 open. So let's try that. Cool. Cool. And then we'll have to figure out for risky or not, same kind of thing tomorrow. But right. I'm glad we have, or do you want to do it now? Do you want to? Let's do it now. Like, let's do it now. So, so I, I have, I'm good um, on Wednesday, the third before 1 PM wide open after 2 PM wide open. All right. Um, and then the fifth, I, all I have is department head peers on the fifth. Yeah. I'm, I got a faculty meeting that day that I got to run. So I'm out for the fifth. Um, so on the third, um, you want to say 2 PM on the third? Yep, 2 p.m. on the 3rd. That's perfect. All right, so that's risky or not. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. I will well um I'm sure I'll text you, but uh but we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Have a good have a good break. Oh, I'll talk I'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Doing... We're doing risky or not. Risky or not. Right? I'll, yeah, I'll talk to you. In, in, that's what I meant. I will talk to you in less than 24 hours. Try right. not to have too much holiday cheer in the next 22 hours. I'll do my best. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.